For those of you who don't know me, I'm Shelly, and I'm the next generation pastor here. And um, I, it's been a while since, I mean, of course I do the greet and all of that, but it's been a while since I've actually taught a message on a Sunday morning, so I am going to ask for just a little bit of grace. I have an object lesson, and I have a PowerPoint, and I have notes, and I'm, you know, have a little grace for me today. Um, But today I'm actually going to be emphasizing one of the things that's my favorite topic, which is the importance of mental and emotional health. Now, for those of you who have been around a while at New Covenant, you know that we emphasize that a lot, Uh, almost to the point of overemphasis, maybe sometimes. Um, But if I'm up here 90% of the time, I'm either going to be talking about the next generation or the importance of mental health, so this is what you get. But um, so here I am. But but, you know, I, I do want you to keep in mind that, um, that while this is kind of my niche, this is, this is one of the topics I love to speak about, uh, I want you to know that, and even though our, our church, we do emphasize um, emotional healing a lot, uh, I want you to know that that, that does not take away from, from um, daily disciplines with the Lord, you know, discipleship and having a mentor and having a spiritual parent, you know, things like that, that, that we really need to probably emphasize more. Um, but I want you to know that this teaching that I'm going to, I'm going to be talking about this tool, I'm going to teach you today, um, should not replace your daily time with the Lord in your Bible reading. Okay. So just getting that out there, you know, it's important to read your Bible, to fill yourself with the word, to create a well of the word that's bubbling up inside of you. Okay. So now that I got that little caveat out of the way, um, just want to let you know that. So, the other reason why I think that, that um, talking about uh, mental and emotional health is important is because crashing and burning is a real thing. And, um, you know, uh, Caroline Leaf, she's a brain scientist who's written several books that are very good, but she says her estimation is that 87 to 95 percent of illnesses, of sickness and disease, are actually rooted in toxic thinking and from your thought life. Only 13 to 5% of sickness and disease that is out there is actually genetic, biological, or environmental. Let that sink in for just a minute. It is so important that we deal with our toxic thinking so that we can do the will of God. If we're sick, can we do what we've been put on this earth to do? Not very well, I will say that. Um, So this is very real to me in my life specifically because I sure did crash and burn about a year and a half ago. And um, so this message is birthed out of my process of crashing and burning and kind of being rebuilt and restored. Um, You know, I was, I I started this job two years ago and before that I was a stay-at-home mom. I mean, I was busy. I had lots of kids. I've always been busy, had a lot of things to do. I have a son with special needs. We have several children as well, but I have one son with special needs, so that creates a lot of stress. I've always been able to, uh, I've always felt like I kind of had a handle on stress because I have been um, serving on the emotional healing team for years. I know what to do when I get messed up in my head, right? So I, that's better. Um, So I, uh, I started working and, and um, you know, I, I started encountering things that I hadn't quite encountered before, you know, conflicts that I wasn't used to, um, you know, time management issues, you know, things like that. And I realized that I was not dealing with stress well. I was not dealing with conflict well. Um, I was, <laughs> and my thoughts were 
causing me to spiral out of control is actually what happened because I just kept thinking that I could do this on my own. I can figure this out. And um, so anyway, so when I crashed, uh, basically what happened to me was that I had, I began to have a series of uncontrollable panic attacks. And I had those for probably six months. And when I say panic attack, I don't mean like a moment of anxiety. I mean, I had physical, like, panic attacks. I would, my arms and legs would go numb. I could, I felt like a click in my brain. It's like a gush. And I think I felt the adrenaline and the cortisol being released or something. And it just went, and I, and all of a sudden I just knew, oh gosh, it's there. And then this, it's, it was like, I could feel my heartbeat up in my brain and everything. And it was like the, the room would spin and I would, I would vomit for hours. Like it just in this, it was like a spell, you know, like a, a, whatever. It was bad. And I was like, these things have to stop. What is going on? And what was happening was that because I was not managing my thoughts and because I basically made myself sick, I stored all my stress in my body. And then my body stopped and went, hi, excuse me, you need some attention here. We need to do something. You know, isn't that what pain is, is designed to do? Is to say, hi, you should stop doing that. Stop touching that stove. You know, when we gain weight, it's not because God wants us to, you know, feel shame for gaining weight. It's a sign that we're not doing for our body what we need. Your body is saying, hi, your blood sugars are getting too high. I'm having an issue. We need some attention. You know, it's the same thing when you begin to have things like panic attacks or pain or headaches or stress, you know, in your neck, things like that. That is your body saying, excuse me, you're not dealing with your emotions well. You've got some toxic thinking that you're not processing the right way and you're storing it in me and I'm not happy about it, right? So anyway, so last year I went through this process of um, trying to find healing spirit, soul, and body, you know? I knew I went through um, emotional healing, the, the thorough format RTF with Bob and Jenny. That's a, a thing, a program we offer and um, I did that for a week and I started feeling much better. I also went to Susan for my body and we put me on a, um, a restrictive diet, you know, and I lost a ton of weight, which was great, but awful at the same time because I just really wanted food. But, you know, and, um, but because we were trying to figure out, am I having food reactions, things like that. Turns out I had, you know, perimenopausal hormonal things happening, but that's a side note. So um, wait till you turn 40. And, um, but then I knew that I had to deal with my soul, with my emotions. And I read, I think, every book out there when it comes to um, how do I deal with daily toxic thinking. And so that's what this message is birthed out of. And we are going to just get right in. Cool? Okay. All right. So I entitled this Forget So That We Can Remember, and that'll make more sense <laughs> in a little bit. Okay, so we're going to start by reading the Word of God. We're going to go to Philippians 4, 4 through 9. That's basically the scripture that we're going to use the, um, the whole time. Um, we're going to break it down. So we'll just read it. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. 
What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Amen. Okay, so do you ever read the word of God and you think, wow, that's impossible, right? Um, so, like, how can you not be anxious about anything? I mean, do you ever feel like, like, when I read that first part, I don't know if I can go back, that first part about, um, uh, oh, do not be anxious about anything. I'm like, seriously, Paul? Really? Really? You know, like, like, how does, how do you do that? How does, nobody likes to show off. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, how do you, how do you make that happen? But when you look closely, there is a wealth of wisdom that, that are in these passages of how to not be anxious about anything. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to like dive into that and break it apart and figure out what exactly Paul is saying. Um, and I'm going to combine it with a tool that I learned um, at the beginning of this year in January. Um, now this tool, this the tool is not mine. Okay, so like I'm not this smart. <laughs> I read it from a book um, that Havila Cunnington wrote called I, Can, I Do Hard Things. And then she actually got it from somebody named Brooke Castillo. And so it is a, it's a common tool in the, in the mental health world about how to like break down your thoughts and process what's happening in your life. So we're going to learn that in a little bit. But I've actually taught this twice to the youth, so they should know what's happening. But there's more to it, guys. I've added to it, so you won't be bored. Plus, repetition brings a revelation. Um, but then I also taught this um, on a live video at, at the beginning of quarantine in March uh, to our Facebook page. So this is kind of a redo of that. But I felt like it was time to pull it out again um, because of what the Lord has been speaking. So, um, you know, we've been talking about remembering and forgetting, right? So um, uh, Shrek, when he was here, Mike prophesied it when he sang, and then Eric taught a message about it, about bringing forth words of remembrance, stacking stones, remembering what God has done for us. And then, you know, just to, uh, you know, to shake things up a little bit, Lynn comes and talks about forgetting, <laughs> right? <laughs> which is just interesting to me. I'm like, wow, we're, which again is why the title was um, Forget So That We Can Remember. And, um, but he was talking about forgetting the former things based on Isaiah 43, 18. And he's referring to the moments of disappointments, the trauma and the pain and the process of what it means to forget. And who here was actually doing the opposite, especially in 2020? You remember the disappointments, uh, but you forget the God appointments, right? Where I remember, I'm playing a loop in my head of all the disappointments and the trauma and the, the pain in my life, but I'm not remembering what God has done. And, um, and we've got to flip that around and figure out how to do that. And so, uh, but another thing I think that we try to tend to do is that we try to remember the victories and we just kind of, we don't take time to forget the disappointments and we kind of pile the victory on top of the disappointment. And so it's this mixed bag of disappointment and victory and you're trying to overcome when your brain is that way, and that actually, our brains don't work that way. That's called cognitive dissonance, when we believe two different things at the same time. And so you don't get, you feel a little better, but you don't get total freedom. So um, Lynn encouraged us that we have to go through a process of disremembering the enemy's version of the pain in our life. Um, so we must partner with grace so that we can disassemble the strongholds that were that were birthed out of that trauma or the situation that we were in. 
Okay, so forgetting is tapping into the same grace that causes the Lord to cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. It's the same grace that we're tapping into. Now, this is different. Forgetting in this context is different than mushing down our feelings and pretending like they aren't there. Okay? Forgetting takes cooperation with grace, and it's a process. Okay? Mushing it down, stuffing it away, pretending like it's not there, that's, that's not it. That's, that's not how we do it. So today is going to be a practical how-to process, how-to on how to process memories. Okay? Um, we can process memories, situations, disappointments, uh, things like that. So we're going to break down Philippians first to see what Paul is saying step by step. So I need you to note that um, in verse 2 in Philippians, Paul is trying to help two women get along. Okay? So there's apparently this disagreement that neither one of them was caving on. Okay? Which I just thought was funny. I'm like, leave it to the women to ask. Just kidding. Okay, so, um, but these women were doing great work um, in the church, but they could not get along with each other for whatever reason. So, and then it goes on to talk about, you know, rejoice in the Lord. I say rejoice all of the things. So, I'm thinking that Paul is talking about relationships here. He's talking about your relationships with people. Okay, so, so rejoice in the Lord always. I, again, I say rejoice. So, the, my first thought is, well, he said it twice, so he must really mean it right? Okay. Um, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. So um, what that means, I would assume, is that he doesn't want us to overreact, and he doesn't want us to be overly dramatic. This is not good news for me. I want you to know. Okay. Next thing he says is, do not be anxious about anything. And I'm like, what? How? How are we going to do that? Okay. So then the next thing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And that is the part that I think that we ignore and we skip over it. We're like, yeah, 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 I pray about everything. Oh, sure. Yep. I pray about everything. And it's like, do you though? Do you, you know, do you really go through a process of telling God every detail of your life? Do you really pray about everything or just pray about everything, right? So I know I'm calling you out. So this is the key. The way that you're not anxious about anything is to pray about everything. That is the key. It's the, that, that but is the first part of the sentence. Here's how you do it is this part of the sentence. You pray about everything. So you're basically going to turn your anxious thoughts or your worries, your cares, your offenses, and your pain into prayers. We're going to make an exchange, okay? All right, so then, then is when the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So once you have offered your prayers to the Lord, you've told him every detail of your life, then the peace comes, and that's when you begin to feel answers and peace come after we process our anxieties with prayer. And the P.S., spoiler alert, that's what the tool is going to be, is teaching you how to process your anxieties through prayer. I'm going to show you how to do that. That's the part we're going to focus on. So, and then, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, all the good things, 
Um, if there's anything excellent, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And that is the time that we stack stones and meditate on praiseworthy things after we've processed the anxiety and the pain. We've got to get rid of the gross, get rid of the yuck. Then we meditate on that. And I'll talk more about that in a little bit. So, oh, oh yeah, I remember. Okay, and then what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So that's when you go and do our faith-filled things. So we're going to break all of that down today. So we're going to learn how to tear down and deconstruct our anxieties, disappointments, and trauma so that we can build and stack our stones. Now, Lynn used the, um, the language of memories, um, which I'll continue to do, or maybe I'll call it disappointments. But basically, a memory is anything that happened before right now. Right? Okay, so um, it, it's basically... We're going to be talking about something yucky that happened before this moment in time that I have negative feelings or behavior about, okay? So that's what we're going to be doing. That's what we're going to be processing. So some memories carry more weight in, than others. So Lynn's description was that I don't remember what I had for dinner seven years ago tonight, right? But I am going to remember if someone hurt me seven years ago. I am going to remember that. And so he, Lynn described the negative memories like a room that's in need of construction or demolition. So the lies that we began to believe because of that experience are the glue or the nails that hold that together. Um, so we need to demo the room before we reconstruct it. He talked about partnering with grace in order to deconstruct the memories so that we can rebuild um, on that. So and finding out what God has to say about it. So let's look in the word to see where the Lord has shown us in scripture of how he likes to tear things down before he builds back up. So Jeremiah 1, 9 through 10, then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow and then to build and plant. And then in Hosea 6.1, it says, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down, and he will bind us up. So, let's see. Not yet. We're not there yet. Okay. So, um, I like to describe memories as containers. Lynn described them as rooms. I like to, to describe them as containers. And what makes memories so destructive um, or so painful are actually, the memory itself is not painful. What is painful are the emotions and the thoughts we have about that memory that's living inside of it. So you think of it as a container. So the, the memory is the situation itself, but what's causing the pain are the lies and the thoughts that you have about that the pain that's stored inside of that memory, if that makes any sense. So um, I'm actually going to move down here because I'm going to set up my object lesson here. Now, I have been watching, how many of you guys have seen, so these, you see these cards in here that represents like your thoughts and all of those things, all your chaotic thoughts. So has anybody ever watched uh, the show, uh, The Home Edit, um, Get Organized with The Home Edit on Netflix? Okay. So you should go watch that if you want to be like an organized person. So 
I was watching that, which is where I got the brilliant idea for this. It may or may not be brilliant. We'll see when I'm done. But I, wa I want you to know that, uh, you know, I'm teaching you a concept that is actually, it's, it's kind of a lot. Like, it's a lot of information. The best way to learn a lot of information is through an object lesson, because then it goes stored into your right side of your brain, which is your long-term memory. So, plus I'm a next-generation pastor, so I'm sorry, you get a kid's illustration. It just is what it is. Okay, so... All right, here we go. So, this is the part where I'm like, let me man. The, can you see all those? Okay. All right, so this is what's happening inside our brain now, is all of this chaos, all of our thoughts, all of our feelings, all of our everything is just in this big chaotic thing. And I'm going to show you how to break these apart for the purpose of actually surrendering them to the Lord. But let me stick with my notes because I don't want to get too far off from them. Okay. Where am I? Okay, so each unprocessed memory stores messaging and emotions that our brain searches out when we are in similar circumstances. And those same emotions and lies bubble up to the surface when you're in those similar situations. Okay, so how many of you have ever just been driving down the road and all of a sudden a memory just plops down of like the most embarrassing moment that you had in the eighth grade and all of a sudden you're like embarrassed all over again? Okay, that's because somewhere inside your brain there is an unprocessed moment of embarrassment that you've not fully dealt with all your emotions yet. That's why it just randomly just bloop drops in. That happens to me more than I care to even express. I'm like, wow, how many embarrassing moments do I have that I need to process? Anyway, this might be one of them. I'm just kidding. Okay, so we've all suffered from disappointments, painful conflicts, and loss, and if we don't properly process those and we leave them unorganized and swimming chaotically in our brain, then we won't be able to receive the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. So, and then the answers won't be made known to us, which is what the word says. So, um, the first step on the home edit is to take inventory, okay? So it's basically, so completely empty the closet and reorganize them based on categories, okay? And so um, I'm going to teach you a tool that helps you organize your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors and putting them into the correct container so that they can be properly surrendered to the Lord, okay? So again, this tool comes from the book, I Do Hard Things. Um, so... That's where I'm going to go to this right here. Okay, so this is the concept of the tool. Okay, circumstances or facts lead to thoughts. Thoughts lead to feelings. Feelings lead to actions, and actions lead to results. Okay, so um, to get the concept, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain it all, and then I'm going to actually use kind of a funny example. So... Um, so that we just kind of can get it to start with. So the circumstance is what is happening. Circumstance is just the facts. There are no opinions. This can be proven in a court of law. This is neutral. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just what happened. Okay? So for example, here's my example. Tom didn't say hi to me at church this morning. That is the fact. Okay? And actually, he didn't say, oh, no, he did. He hovered. And he, okay. Anyway, so Tom didn't say hi to me at church this morning. Now, many times we have thoughts about what happened, okay? So 
The thought is the story that we make up in our head about the circumstance. So too often people mesh the facts and the thoughts together. Okay, so we have to separate what actually happened from the thoughts we have about what happened or what we perceived were their motives. So many times we assign motives to why people did what they did, right? And because of the thoughts that we have. So humans think approximately 60,000 thoughts per day and most of them go unsupervised. Yes. So as soon as you add descriptive words or opinions to the circumstance, it becomes a thought and it is subjective. So for example, you know, the circumstance was Tom didn't say hi to me. Now, here are some thoughts that I could think about that. Tom thinks he's too good to say hi to me. Tom's mad at me because he didn't say hi to me. Or uh, Tom doesn't like me at all. He never says hi to me on Sunday mornings, right? There's all sorts of thoughts that we can have about that circumstance, okay? But so many times we present the information as if it were true. If I were to go home that day, I would not say to my husband, Tom didn't say hi to me today. I would say to him, that Tom, he didn't say hi to me again, and I know why, because he thinks he's too good. Like that would be, I would, I would communicate it as fact. We, I mean, I don't. You do. That's why I'm talking to you. Okay, so, um, so then our thoughts are what birth our feelings, okay? The circumstance doesn't birth our feelings, or feelings don't just come out of nowhere. The thought we think creates the feeling, okay? So feelings are best described in one word, and they are birthed from the thought or the story that I made up in my head. So very few people are in touch with the names of their feelings, okay? It's sad, bad, or mad. That's what we, or glad. Those are the four feelings that I can name. Um, So you may need to get a thesaurus or something to just kind of, because we need we need to expand that a little bit. We can work on that. But one of, the, one of the main points I want to make today is that no one can make you feel any certain way. Your thoughts make you feel a certain way. So when you say, you made me so mad, that's actually not true. The story I made up in my head about what you did made me mad right? Okay. Preaching to the choir right now. I'm I'm like, me. Okay. So um, I knew better than to do this. It's going to be tested in it. Okay. Um, So feelings then lead to action. Oh, wait, hold on. I got to give you my example for for Tom. So hold on. Where is that? Okay. So for example, the story I'm making, if, if, if the story I'm making up in my head is that Tom is too good to say hi to me, then that will invoke feelings of inferiority, frustration, anger, belittlement. If I think he's mad at me, I will feel paranoid. I'll feel anxiety, self-conscious, confused, bewildered. If I think he doesn't like me, I'm going to feel sadness or anger, rejection, unworthiness, misunderstood, or falsely represented. Right? Okay. So those feelings lead to actions. Actions are what we do, what we don't do, or what we react to. 
This is our behavior or reaction to the situation based on the story that we make up in our head and the feelings that it caused. And our feelings cause our actions, inactions, and reactions. Okay, so for, from the example, um, there are a number of ways that we could react. So number one, one of my actions could be that I could gossip about Tom and tell everyone that he's not friendly. Um, I could, because I think he doesn't like me, I could just never ask him for help or his wisdom. I, I may not ever want to serve anything that he does, and I might tune out every time he preaches. Um, I could refuse to join the worship team because I think he's mean. I actually don't because I can't sing. It's so bad. <laughs> but there's lots of actions that we can do based on how we felt. Okay, and then the results is the harvest we reap from the seeds that we sowed and um, the outcomes of our actions or inaction. So from the example, if I, if based on that example, when I gossiped about Tom, I sinned, right? So the result of that is that I've, I've infected others with poison about a leader. Um, I have hindered favor in my life for sure. Um, if I disobey God's call and, and I, did, I decided not to operate in the gifts that's been, that God put inside of me, you know, that, brings, that actually brings depression and anxiety. That also hinders favor, and that also keeps others from, being, from benefiting from the gift of God inside of me. So, <clears throat> now I have some, yep, there we go. All right, I'm going to break away from this. Okay, so... This is basically our dump brain, okay? And it's kind of like, so the process of, of doing this tool, wait, I have a few more notes I remember now. Um, the process of doing this tool is, um, this is a journaling thing, okay? So when you get to be with the Lord, and I actually have this journaling tool that I put up here, but then when I was up here earlier, I forgot to tell you that when you grabbed your communion kit to grab one of these. So make sure you grab one of these before you leave. This is basically all this information set in one piece of paper so that you can use it when you journal. Okay, so the purpose of this is to basically take all the swimming thoughts that are in your head and categorize them, sort them out so that you understand what is fact, you know, what are, what are my thoughts I'm thinking? What are the feelings that I'm feeling? What am I doing because of that? And what are the results that I'm getting? And am I happy with the results that I'm getting in my life? And then we'll go through a process of fixing it. We're not just going to like sort it and leave it. I promise it'll get better. We'll stack stones in a minute. So, so <laughs> when you start the process, whew, it's going to feel, you know, remember that game show? And I'm probably too old. Remember that game show when you, like, you went into that clear tube and money's flying everywhere and you're like grabbing a hold of it, you gotta grab as much money? Okay, so that's kind of what it's gonna be like, okay? <laughs> you're like grabbing thoughts. I don't even know what I feel. I don't know, I'm just mad. Okay, pull that down. You know, so you just basically reach in the jar and you're kind of like going on a search, going on a hunt inside your brain. Okay, so it looks kind of chaotic, but I actually have these set up right here. I'm, I'm prepared. Okay, so... So, for example, if I'm going to use an example from my life personally of what um, something that I have had to do this with several times, so that way you can just see how it plays out. 
Okay, so, and I'm going to get really vulnerable. This is one of the, this is one of the um, great places of pain that I've had to um, war with with the Lord, and this is a great place of disappointment that I've had to process. So, and that first one is um, that Truman hasn't been fully healed and restored. So my son is uh, eight years old. Is he eight? Eight years old? Seven? I'm sorry. I, I can only use one part of my brain at a time. Anyway, he has autism. He's overcoming autism. And the Lord has healed him several measures over the years. But, you know, I'm impatient and I want full healing like now. Okay? And that has created great levels of disappointment for me. So the circumstance is Truman has not been fully healed. Okay? So I'll just, like, put that in the bucket because I'm, I'm sorting it. I'm categorizing it. Okay. So, oh. Actually, that's my thing. That's okay. Um, so one of the thoughts that I think about that circumstance is that I must be doing something wrong for him to not be healed. Another thought that I think is that what if God doesn't want him healed? <laughs> and this is when pity really overcomes me. I'm sorry. I'm so, this is so vulnerable. I think to myself, no one understands how hard my life is. God has forgotten us. And this is too much. I can't do it. It's too much. So when you're journaling, you categorize these things out. You write it down. You can even get jars if you want. I don't care. But anyway, so, but the feeling that begins to happen because of the thoughts that I think. These are the feelings that come because of the thoughts that I think. The feelings don't come because of the circumstances. They come because of the thoughts I had just before. Okay, hopelessness and discouragement. Anger and frustration. Regret. I feel neglected by God. I feel sadness. I feel misunderstood and alone. Woo! Insignificant. And overwhelmed. Okay. So... Next is, what do I do because of my feelings? Okay, so here's one of the main things I do. I work harder at natural remedies. I'm like, well, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pump that boy full of so many vitamins. I'm going to put him on a special diet. I'm going to do all the things. And not that that's bad. This may not be a bad action. I'm not sure. But that's one of the things that I do because of my feelings. I, I hate the feeling of being out of control, so I need to do something to feel in control. I become overly protective of him. I disconnect from God because I'm offended or sad. And when my life is overwhelmed, I disconnect from the people that I love. And I withdraw from community and activities, and I've done this. And then I become grumpy, agitated, and I overreact to people. My husband's like, amen. I'm waiting for him to say amen. 
Okay, so what is the result of my actions? I become apathetic to God and the things of the kingdom and the work that I'm supposed to be doing. Because I'm overprotective of Truman, I don't challenge him, and then he doesn't grow. My family relationships become strained. I don't give full attention to Truman's siblings. Sorry, that one's still there. I still have emotions about that. (laughs) And I'm not my best self. Okay. So do you get, kind of understand what's happening here? Now, um, I am going to, I'm actually, there is a way to empty these jars, okay? Um, But first, I'm actually going to go through one more example just so that you can see how to do this when you actually don't know what the circumstance is. You just know, I know what I'm doing or I know the results in my life, so I'm going to show you how to work backwards, okay? All right, so, but I'm not going to put it in there. I'm going to, okay. So, here is, here are my actions. So, if you're like, If you're somebody who is not very self-aware and you're like, I don't know what I feel and I don't know what circumstance led to the thought, so I'm going to show you how to work this tool backwards, okay? Here's all I know. Here's what I'm doing is I'm apathetic to God and ministry. I can't feel. I I can't engage in worship and I'm not motivated to read my Bible. Those are my actions or my inactions, okay? So, and so you can kind of work it this way and you can go, okay, what are my actions doing to me in my relationships my relationships are strained oh hold on um sorry my cards are getting confused okay so my relationships are strained the power of god is not evident in my life and i have become physically ill or i'm in pain those are the results of me of these actions. So then you have to say to yourself, okay, work backwards. Why am I here? How did I get here? So then you go, okay, what are some of the feelings that I'm feeling? And so you begin to try to name those. And usually, almost always, if you're here at not motivated to read my Bible, I've, you know, I'm, I'm frustrated, I'm apathetic, I'm telling you right now, you're offended. Your emotion is, I'm, I'm offended, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm bitter. And I feel rejected and overlooked. I maybe feel shame and embarrassment. I might feel abandoned and alone. And so then you have to go, okay, so what caused those feelings to happen? What thought did I think? What thoughts am I thinking? to create those emotions. And sometimes some of the thoughts we have are, well, nobody wants me to succeed. I'm held back. Or they're out to get me. Other people are full of pride and they just won't let me, you know, do something. Something like that. You know, whatever it is, whatever your thoughts are. This is just an example. 
And so you can trace it back to what was the thing that happened that caused me to think these thoughts, that caused me to think these emotions, or have these emotions that caused me to do this and get these results. And usually it's, uh, for this example, this is just one I chose, is that um, I was overlooked for something, like, or that I was, I was overly criticized. Maybe I was given constructive criticism and it felt a little too critical. Or maybe I was um, not chosen for a promotion at work. Something like that where you were overlooked. There was a circumstance that happened that you got offended, but you know, because we're Christians, we don't want to say, I'm offended. So we pretend like we're not. We shove it down and we ignore the thoughts that we think about it, even though we're actually thinking them. And that creates the emotions and the actions and the results. And so here we are in this hot mess and we have no idea how to process it. Okay, so that is the purpose of the tool of using this. Okay, so pro tip, okay, when you sit down to do this, you're going to have like 17 different uh, situations pop up at one time. You're going to be like, I don't even know what to do. I, I don't know. Do, do, do Process one thing at a time, even if you have to get four different pieces of paper process one circumstance and the thoughts you have about that, the, the feelings you have about that one circumstance at a time, okay, and, um, pro- and then go through the process of bringing healing. Okay, so do we understand the process of breaking down our thoughts? Okay, um, once we have everything in its proper container, now it is time to work backwards. I think I have a slide for that. Now it is time to work backwards to empty the containers, okay? So what we're going to do, where am I? So start here with the results and the actions of what I've done. Ask yourself, am I happy with the results that have happened? And do I want to do something about it? And ask myself, who have I hurt based on my actions? And so we go through a process of repenting, okay? Repent for your actions that led to the results that you're living in. Acknowledge that you aren't happy with the consequences. Make amends when necessary and humble yourself before the Lord. First John 1 John 1.9 says that if we can, sorry, I bumped it. I don't even know which way I went. There we go. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So what you're going to do, so these are the, um, the cards from when I was talking about Truman. So you take it and we start repenting. Father God, I repent and I beg your forgiveness for being apathetic to you, for being um, just apathetic to, to your presence. And we just lay it before the Lord. Confess that sin. God, I repent for not challenging my son in the way that you want me to, and I I will do better. God, I repent for straining relationships, having relationships where I'm disconnected and and not plugged into them, and I'm not in tune with them. Forgive me for that, and then make amends for that. Father, forgive me for not paying attention to Truman's siblings the way I, I, ha- I needed to. And do, do better. And I repent for not being my best self. And do the same thing 
with your actions. God, I'm sorry that, that I, I turned to natural things and not supernatural things. Lord, forgive me for being grumpy and agitated and overreacting. And all this you're going to journal, okay? Lord, forgive me for withdrawing from community and activities and not having my people near me. Lord, forgive me for disconnecting and forgive me for being overly protective. Okay, so start with repentance. The next thing that you're going to do is you're going to empty the feelings and you're going to surrender all of these feelings to the Lord. Because remember, it says in Philippians, um, well, in the Passion Translation, it says, tell him every detail of your life. So you're basically, so you want to just pour out your complaint to him, just like David did in the Psalms. So you're going to say, tell him, Lord, I feel overwhelmed. And I surrender that to you. I give you those feelings of being overwhelmed. Lord, I feel neglected and sad. And I surrender that to you. I just surrender that feeling to you. Lord, I feel insignificant. I surrender that to you. I feel misunderstood and alone. The same thing. Lord, I feel regret. All of that. Lord, I feel anger and frustration. And I feel hopelessness and discouragement. So you're just telling him and you're pouring it out and you're saying, Lord, and I give it to you. I hand it to you. I hand it over to you. It says in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So you just surrender all of that over to him. So now it's time for you to deal with your thoughts. So repent for the ungodly story that you've made up in your head. For assuming motives and using God-given, your God-given imagination to assume the worst and forgive others. You know, it says in Corinthians, love is patient, he's kind, does not envy, it does not boast, is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and love doesn't assume the worst which is what we do in our thought life all the time. So you do that and you say, Lord, forgive me. I repent for thinking that you have forgotten me. I repent for that. I I give you that. I just submit that to you. I refuse to believe that you have forgotten me. I refuse to believe that no one understands how hard my life is or that it matters that anyone understands how hard my life is. Lord, I surrender to you the feeling of, of uh, or the lie, the thought that this is too much. Yep. Lord, I refuse to believe that you don't want him healed. And I, I, I actually might be doing something wrong, but I submit it to you, God, that you'll tell me what it is. Okay, so we've emptied the jar, right? Now, we don't have to empty the circumstance, because, you know, the circumstance is the circumstance, and it's probably not going to change. What needs to change are your thoughts about the circumstance, okay? So that is when we decide to fill them up. So you are going to ask the Lord for his truth and his perspective about the situation. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So let me make sure that I'm not missing anything on my notes either. Hold on. 
I appreciate you guys having patience. Like, literally, I'm manning this and that and th Anyway, okay. Um, yep, repent, repent. I got a mess up here. I promise I'm going to clean it up. Actually, I'm going to stick Tom on it. I'm going to make him clean it up. But he has to say hi to me first. That's right. Oh, did I say in here, forgive whoever needs to be forgiven? That's so important. I'm so glad I went back to my notes. Right here in the thoughts, you have to forgive. That's a thing. That's a must. That's a command. It's part of processing your thoughts. Okay. Um, okay, so here we are. So now is the time that we ask the Lord for truth. So we ask the Lord for truth about the situation. And um, we get, begin to fill the jar with the God stories of how he can break in and show up in our situation. Remind ourselves of what he has done in the past, and this is where you stack your stones. Okay, so for in the example of Truman, so my circumstance doesn't change, but here's the deal. You know what the word says? He says that I can do all things, and so that's what I meditate on, and those are the thoughts that I think. I begin to fill myself with scripture and encouragement about the thing, okay? So I fill that up. Oh, and then I remind myself that in, in John 9, you know, that, that uh, the, the son was healed for the purpose of the glory of God, and I'm like, mm, yep, that's mine. I'm taking that. My son is going to be healed for the glory of God, and I'll just wait patiently until that happens. Then what I do is I begin to pull out Truman's prophetic words about him being an engineer, that he is going to have the anointing of three men, and I begin to think those thoughts, right? I begin to meditate on those things that God says about this circumstance, and I remind myself, stack my stones right here, I remind myself of how much healing the Lord has brought to his life so far. So much. And so I begin to think those thoughts. And do you know what that does? Those thoughts make some really great feelings. I begin to feel hope again. I begin to feel peace. I begin to feel encouraged and motivated. I begin to feel joy again. So, so what you do, because I think that I actually have this with the, with the God stories, yes, yes, yep, dig out your prophetic words, yep, because that goes along with Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, what is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure. See, that's when you do that, is at that point. Okay, so then you allow your feelings, jar, which is what we just did, to, allow, to, to bring up hope and peace and reassurance, acceptance, motivation, excitement for what, is, what God is doing because of your circumstance, even in the midst of your difficult circumstance. Okay, so now... What kind of actions am I going to do if I'm feeling hope and encouragement and motivation and all of that, right? I'm in tune with the leading of the Holy Spirit, right? I begin to do things. When he tells me to do it, I do it. I begin to do God things again. I begin to get excited about it. I'm a better mom. I'm a better wife. I'm a better leader. I'm better because I am full of encouragement and hope. And do you know what the result of living your life, of doing things like that. The result is, number one, I walk in the favor of God. Um, that's kind of a selfish thing. I mean, we're all, that's all our goal. Biggest thing, others benefit from my life. Other people benefit from the anointing in my life because I think hopeful thoughts and I'm full of hope and I do God things 
And the result is people are changed. The kingdom is advanced. Amen? Okay. So we can do the same thing. I, I don't even need to belabor it. We can do the same thing with the other example, you know, of, of um, you know, you're, you're criticized or you're overlooked for something. You know, pull out scripture, Hebrews 12, about being disciplined. Pull out prophetic words about our destiny. You know, forgiveness brings a new perspective to the person that hurt me. And remember what God has done before. And when you think those thoughts that begins to bubble up those emotions of peace and joy and comfort. And again, the actions are, are a direct result of that. And then the results in our life, they change. Others are changed because of what we've done differently. Amen? Okay, so uh, I think that's it. Reap the benefits. Is that it? Celebrate your results. That is it. Okay, so I want you to take a minute to think about your current state when it comes to your own ability to be self-reflective. I want you to think about what, how good am I at separating um, my thoughts from the circumstance? Do I mesh them together? Am I able to do that well? How, how well do I name my feelings? Am I in touch with that? And can I, do I have the ability to look inside of myself and, and kind of do some self-inventory? And am I even aware of my actions and the results of my actions? Am I even conscious of it? Yes. Hopefully somebody in your life is telling you the results, but you may not notice. Um, and am I happy with it? Am I satisfied with my actions, and am I satisfied with the results in my life? Because that's probably the place that we have to start is, am I satisfied with what I'm doing and the, and the result I'm getting from it? And if we're not, which most of, I mean, we all have room to improve, we got to work backwards and use this tool to do that and use the word of God to do that. So, um, so I want you to take a minute now to think about how your life would change if you put this into practice. If every time you got offended with somebody, instead of getting on the horn and, you know, gossiping and making up the story in your head, and you decided to go journal and go, nope, you know what? Tom didn't say hi to me. The story I'm making up in my head is this. And so you begin to process these things. And what would happen if when you're communicating with your husband or with your friend and they do something that hurts you because that's going to happen and you start making up a story in your head, right? I'm thinking these thoughts. What if you went to them and said, hey, listen, when you did this thing, the story I started making up in my head was this. Will you tell me what you were actually thinking when you did that? How much better that would be. Okay, take a minute to then imagine, just, just close your eyes, just imagine. How would my relationships change? How would my physical health benefit 
from not carrying around a fence and stress all the time. Who would benefit from my freedom? And how far would the kingdom advance in my sphere of influence? So I have an action plan for us. Please don't forget to get the handout. I'm so sorry that I didn't pass it out. That makes me sad. I'll also put it on Facebook. Use that in your daily time with the Lord. Probably at first, if you're not used to doing this, you'll probably have to do it daily. You'll have to process situations daily. Eventually, you may only have to dig it out when you're offended, you know, when something happens. But you might need to process some things. You can use this for old memories, too. You can totally use this for childhood memories. It's, it's doable. Um, this should not replace your Bible reading, <laughs> okay? Um, practice being self-reflective. Pray, pray and ask the Lord for self-awareness and take an inventory of thoughts and feelings. Try to identify feelings outside of sad, mad, and bad. <laughs> and um, take note when you begin to retell circumstances by adding your thoughts and opinions to it. All right, everybody stand up. We're going to pray. Father God, you are good. You are good. And you made us spirit, soul, and body, and you want us to live a transformed, with a transformed mind and a transformed life, God. I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for the things that you've done in our life. And I thank you, God, that you're going to help us to process disappointments, to forget those things from the past, help us deconstruct those things so that we can meditate on what you've done, so we can encourage ourselves with our, with our thought life. That our, I pray, Lord God, right now, everybody just put your hand on top of your head. I pray, God, right now that you, actually, first, let's repent. Repeat with me. I repent for using my God-given imagination to think worst-case scenarios and to think bad of people. So, Lord, right now, I just ask that you would help us to use our imaginations, to think of all the ways that you can show up in our lives. Thank you, Lord. We submit our mind to you, God. Thank you, Lord. So, God, I just pray right now that you would give us the grace to work this out, to deconstruct um, these memories so that we could stack stones and we can, we can build and be encouraged. Lord, we love you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.